Hey, welcome to Gamers Talk, and that's Gamers with a Z. I am Player M. And I'm Player G. And we are here to give reviews on video games that we have played, which we have played many. Um, so what we're going to start with today is um, one of the first games that Player G and I have ever played together. Um, it is Borderlands. Um, now, for a description... Borderlands is a 2009 open-world action role-playing first-person shooter looter game. It is the first game in the Borderlands series, developed by Gearbox Software and published by 2K Games for PlayStation 3, Xbox 360s, Windows, Mac OS X, and Shield Android TV. Uh, the game was released worldwide in October 2009. Um, let's see... The game's story focuses on a group of four vault hunters who travel to the distant planet of Pandora to search for the vault, in quotations, which is rumored to contain advanced alien technology and other priceless riches. The hunters piece together clues to find the vault while battling the savage wildlife of Pandora and the bandits and outlaws that populate the planet, all ultimately banding together to prevent the Atlas Corporation and its privately funded paramilitary forces from reaching the vault first. The game features the ability to explore the in-game world and complete both main missions and opt optional side quests, either in single-player or online cooperative gameplay, with the latter providing additional options for duels and competitive PvP matches in designated areas. Gameplay features include access to various weapons and shield that vary in type of statistics. Weapons with special elemental functions, each playable character having distinctive class types and unique abilities for combat, upgradable skills, and the use of two-person vehicles. The game itself is rendered, rendered in cartoon-style graphics to provide greater detail on weapons and environments and was inspired by various action role-playing games of the time, such as Ultima and Diablo. So, that's the description of the game so far. Um, so now, um, Gamer G and I will uh, go over our positives and negatives of the game. Uh, we will go over the DLCs that came out for it and review those as well. And at the end, we will tell you guys how you can play it and where you can play it. So, uh, Gamer G... Since I've been talking this whole time pretty much, why don't you start with your uh, positives from the game? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that I love. Like, I absolutely love the, the choice of enemies, just the gameplay. I mean, the story was amazing. I love the arcs of the skills. My personal favorite is definitely the Berserker. He's definitely my favorite, um, but everyone has their own selective, you know, skills, and just, it's just amazing to play out as all of them and to hone their abilities. Alright, alright, um, well, I gotta say, um, that I mostly agree with you, um, and I don't say mostly as in, like, you know, there's something that I disagree with, it's more there's extra for me. Uh, that I really that I really liked, including like the uh, the weapons they dropped. Um, whether it was some really powerful, really cool weapons to uh, something kooky and goofy, you know, this being a somewhat uh, comedic game, um, you know, I, I thought I thought that they did well with uh, weapon drops. And um, honestly, for the time this game came out, the graphics were 
really good. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, the the DLCs that they released later on as well um, were, were pretty good as well. Um, the boss fights were a lot of fun. Um, it was just, it was a different type of game for the generation. Um, you don't really see, you didn't really see besides, like, you know, Diablo or Ultima, a lot of uh, shooter looter games. Um, stuff that dropped a lot of loot that you wanted to pick up. Um, I mean, you, you saw a few here and there, but nothing quite to this extent, you know. Um, and nothing that you could, like, uh, play over and over um, like quite like this. Um, I mean, again, Diablo is one of those, but it's just, this hits on a different level. Um, yeah you know it just it's a it's a different type of you know go over and play it again um but yeah um that's that's my that's my positive review um do you have any uh sort of like uh constructive feedback for the game maybe something that they could have done better um all we remember we have to consider that it's the first game of the series um, and the time period that it came out, uh, all those things considered, is there anything that they really could have done better, like maybe took their time with more or whatever? I mean, I will admit, I, I was really disappointed with the, you know, the final boss. But like you said, it for the time period and it being kind of the fourth game of that type of generation, um, I, I think they did an overall good job. Um, what about you? Um, you know, um, I don't really have a whole lot of negative things to say about this game. Um, I think they could have been, uh, just maybe a little more expansive with it. Um, could have pushed for some more. Um, but I also understand that, you know, this was back in 2009. 2009, I mean, video games weren't a new thing. They've been around forever. But at the same sure. time, I mean, it was still before, like, all the te technological advances since then have just been phenomenal in the gaming industry. Um, anywhere from graphics to, you know, like, storage, um, you know, size, everything like that. They've just, it's really increased over time. But um, I just, you know, I feel like the story could have been a little more expansive, in my opinion. But I guess that's kind of what the DLCs were for. The DLCs really added to the story and helped a lot with that yeah absolutely which um actually brings us to the dlcs that they dropped for this game um one dlc let me find it here real quick i just want to make sure that i got a good description of it all um so this game actually spawned four successful dlcs um the first one was the zombie island of dr ned uh, which dropped oh. in November of 2009. Um, there was Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot, which dropped in December of 2009. Mm -hmm. And then the Secret Arm Armory of General Knox in February of 2010. And then Claptrap's New Robot Revolution in September of 2010. So, let's get to the description here we go. Okay, so, The Zombie Island of Dr. Ned. The Zombie Island of Dr. Ned is the first installment of downloadable content from Borderlands and includes new quests, items, and enemies, including were skags and various zombies. The storyline 
takes place in an area known as Jacob's Cove, which is a small town built by the Jacob's Corporation. Dr. Ned had been in charge of keeping the workers of Jacob's Cove alive, but ended up transforming them to zombies. The main plot revolves around finding previous visitors to Jacob's Cove and investigating Dr. Ned himself after the Jacob's Corporation became suspicious of his work. The playable area includes a large outdoor map with several further areas branched from the main zone, including a dark abandoned version of previous area Old Haven. The installment was released for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 versions on November 24, 2009, which was celebrated with a trailer. The PC version was released via Steam with Securum on December 9th of 2009. So, um, Gamer G, what is your uh, thoughts on the zombie island of Dr. Ned? Well, I thought it was a, a very interesting take on zombies and like were, werewolves or were scabs as the case is. Um, I really liked how they did the zombies because they get you down. Usually, you know, you could kill someone and get back up, which is the case in it. But if they get to you and they stop munching you, you'll help your fight for your life bar goes down even quicker. So you almost never actually get to kill an enemy before they take you down. And the weird gag, just the design of them was amazing. And honestly, the first time I came across one, it kind of scared me. But that's all part of the fun. Yeah. Neil? Yeah. Um, you know, um, I haven't really actually played this DLC all too much, um, but from when I did play it, um, I did enjoy everything except um, I think the the fact I liked the interactivity where they made the zombies, you know, munch on you when you're down and fight for your life. It makes sense for them to do that. But I also think with the type of game it is, they shouldn't have made them, I guess, so powerful. It should have given you a better chance to be able to get back up. Now, don't get me wrong. I do enjoy a challenge. But at the same time, just just for this type of game, it just it was I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say it really threw me off or you know pushed me against it or anything. I still enjoyed it and everything. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I think that's just I think that's the one negative thing I had about this was just they made it really hard. Even if you were you know if they if it was like a lower level or whatever, uh, it made it harder for you to get back up. And I just feel like this type of game isn't really like. Unless you're really doing, like, crappy, um, I really think that this game isn't really the type of game to really want to do that to you. It's not a Dark Souls or anything, but besides that, um, I thought that the Zombie Island of Dr. Ned's story was pretty decent. Um, the new weapons and whatnot, um, they were they were good. Um, you know, I mean, it was, uh, all things considered, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. Um, so, the next DLC to be released was Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot, um, and here's the description. Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot is the second piece of DLC for Borderlands. It features three new Riot arenas, uh, Halberbia, the Gully, and Angelic Ruins, and storage for players' items. The plot of the DLC is Moxie, a crazed lover who is selling out to find her fourth husband, leading her to make the arenas in the DLC. 
players fight several of the game's enemies, including bosses and arenas. No experience is gained from killing enemies in the arena battles, but experience can be gained from completing challenges or quests in the arena. New game modes are added, such as low gravity fighting, enemy health regeneration, and shieldless fighting. It was released on December 29, 2009 for the Xbox 360 and was released January 7th of 2010 for the PS3 and PC. So, Gamer G, tell me about this one. Tell me how you feel. Oh, man, this, this was definitely my least favorite out of the four. I just, I found this to be very repetitive. It's just saying something because, I mean, the whole game, you're just, you're really just killing people and all that good stuff. But I just found it very repetitive because you think that you got to go through these four, three areas, you know, clear them out, uh, throw the arenas out and stuff. But then after that, you have to do it all again, but with even mo more longer rounds. Like, that's the only DLC I never completed because it just, it honestly kind of put me to sleep how boring it was. Neil? Um, you know, um, I don't think it ever really put me to sleep, but it definitely kind of bored me yes it is really repetitive um and the storyline wasn't really even a storyline to it i know this you know the description makes it sound like there was a storyline but most of it is just talking you know um there wasn't really i, I mean there wasn't really any story it was yeah you, it's just arena fights and yeah you had to complete different challenges and whatnot and i mean i i'll be completely honest i'm not a huge fan of arena games i don't I didn't really play a whole lot of Tekken or Mortal Kombat. I just really couldn't get into those type of games. They were just so one-directional and so repetitive. It was just boring, you know? Don't get me wrong, you know? Like, it looks cool as hell to, you know, punch somebody's head off when you're playing Mortal Kombat. But doing it 300 times, it kind of loses its vigor. And this was kind of the same thing, except you didn't get any cool moves like that. You were just killing I mean, yeah, added challenges and whatnot. You know, you fight with uh, no shield or low gravity or, you know, enemy health regeneration. But it's like, it just, that wasn't enough, you know? Like, yeah. Arena, arena games just aren't, aren't, for me, aren't really popular to me. But, um, I mean, every... Uh, everybody's got their different different opinions and everything and i'm sure that you know this dlc got some good reviews from some other people just me personally and obviously you we just we weren't too into it um so the next dlc um which i think was actually the biggest one uh is oh, the yeah. secret armory of general knox all right so the Secret Army of General Knox was unofficially announced on January 21st, 2010 via the official Gearbox forums posted by Gearbox level designer Jaron Reese, saying the pack will increase the level cap to level 61 and is the biggest DLC we have made. A tweet by Gearbox creative director Mike Newman on January 21st, 2010 said the pack would also include more Scooter, who is a character in the game. This was followed by an official announcement from Gearbox via Gearbox Box City. 
on January 29th, 2010, confirming the release, level cap increase, brand new weapons, and brutal never-before-seen enemies in a huge new environment complete with tons of brand new missions, according to Gearbox, developer of the game. The plot of this DLC revolves around Athena, a rogue agent for Atlas who is self-described as the best, a woman sick of Atlas's lies who wants to bring them to their knees, and General Knox, Steel's superior, a man who is who, with extreme loathing for his job to the point of literally hating his life, who is tasked to destroy Athena and the protagonists. Along the way, you also run into Moxie, who aids the player in taking on Atlas as well, if you help her face down her ex-husband, and Scooter, who reveals he is related to Moxie. The DLC package became available February 23rd for Xbox 360 and February 25th for PS3 and PC. So, Gamer G, I know you love this DLC. Tell me how you feel about it. Oh, man. There, there wasn't really nothing bad about this DLC. I love the I love the enemies, the guns, the con- whole concept. And let me be honest here. It, it probably is what brought me into Borderlands the most because it had the most challenging enemy of well, any of the Borderlands, and that would be Cromax. I might have just butchered his name, but I'm pretty sure that's what pe- most people call him. Um, you were close. You were close. Just the the story was amazing, and just the feeling of collecting all that loot at the end was just n- nothing felt better, and just. Like I said, it was chal- It was definitely a challenging. Honestly, I think it was the most comedic DLC. Also, I found nothing to be wrong with it. And what about you, man? Um, you know, um, I'm mostly gonna have to agree with you there. Um, yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely a big yes for me. You know, um, this this is really. Um, I know that technically I played Borderlands 2 first, but when I played the original Borderlands, this was the DLC that had me like, I wish I had played this first. Um, so, which I won't give my opinion on Borderlands 2 because that'll come next podcast. Um, but I will have to say that, yeah, this DLC is by far my favorite part of the entire Borderlands 1 game. So, um, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the story. Um, yeah, Cromorax was definitely, um, the most challenging boss I've fought in really any Borderlands game for the most part. Um, there's a couple bosses in uh, one of the other ones that, you know, got there. Um, but I won't get into that, but definitely for, um, this game this was definitely the hardest boss actually for for most games this would be considered the hardest boss i think the only other game that would really have like a harder boss technically is i i would say dark souls but i mean that's that's a pretty obvious one yeah Um, i can't disagree yeah um that's i i mean that that's just because you know it's it's dark souls but for this type of game this boss was incredibly hard 
but what was so great was the loot that came after and the feeling of accomplishment if you could beat him. Uh, I remember the, the first time I ever beat him, I had to use modded weapons and a modded shield. There was just no other way for me, Absolutely. personally. Um, but once you... I mean, you beat him the first time with modded weapons, it feels freaking awesome. But once you beat him for the first time ever using just, you know, weapons that you got out of the game and a shield that you got out of the game and, and whatnot, the, your abilities, everything, it felt freaking awesome. Like, it felt like you achieved, like, you know, an impossible goal in your life, you know. Um, and this, is, this is a video game, you know. So for it to feel like that, I mean, they, they just... And everything else about this DLC, don't get me wrong, everything else about this DLC was, was great, but that was definitely the highlight right there. So, um, yeah, I really I really enjoyed this DLC. Um, there's really not a whole lot they could have done better. Um, obviously, there are, you know, bits and pieces here, but again, this was 2010. So, I mean, for them to come out for something this extraordinary in 2010, I mean, just bam, blew my mind, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So, now... Um, Last DLC, Claptrap's new robot revolution. On March 3rd, 2010, 2K officially announced a fourth piece of downloadable content, stating that they will continue to support the title with more add-on content. And our approach to digital content for Borderlands gives, take two, a roadmap for other titles going forward. On July 15, 2010, General Knox's Twitter page was updated for the first time in months stating that he had new orders sent from the future on July 30th, 2010. Randy Pitchford, co-founder of Gearbox Software and current CEO, announced via Twitter regarding the content, I get a lot of questions about more DLC for Borderlands. Yes, more is coming. T2 already said so. Let's talk soon. On August 5th of 2010, a long list of content was supposedly going to be included in the content was posted on the Gearbox forums by forum user Legendrew. The data was gathered from files in the 1.31 update for the PC version of Borderlands. On August 11, 2010, 2K confirmed the title of the content, Claptrap's New Robot Revolution, and its main premise. The DLC has 21 missions, split between 9 main missions and 12 side quests two new skill points, and six additional backpack slots. The game focuses around a rogue army of brainwashed claptraps, led by claptrap interper, interplanetary ninja assassin, the same claptrap that is seen getting struck by lightning just after the end of credits of the main game, who plan to destroy humanity for their mistreatment along with an army of familiar enemies transformed into claptrap styles. An example, crab traps, rack traps, and skag traps. A wide variety of old cast members return alongside new faces. New fast travel destinations were also expected for f uh, first for Borderlands DLCs, but ultimately they were not included. On September 5th of 2010, Pitchford announced at the Penny Arcade Expo that the release date was scheduled to be September 28, 2010. Pitchford also announced a free patch to increase the level cap by 8 for all players to a maximum of level 69, or 58 for those without Nox's army, armory, regardless of whether the expansion had been purchased. So, 
well, this description doesn't actually give a whole lot about the the DLC, but I guess there's really not a whole a whole lot more to say besides the fact. I mean, you're fighting a bunch of rogue claptraps for the most part. Um, so, uh, Gamer G, what do you feel? Well, I gotta say, it was very nice to finally to be able to destroy something so annoying. <laughs> but you know. Uh, I I I understood it. Understood it. I love the the story. It's definitely my second favorite DLC out of the four. And the bosses. Oh God, the bosses! Just how that DLC brought almost all the bosses, over all the final bosses. Like we were going through. And you force to see Nox trap. Holy shit, I was amazed. <laughs> and just continuing on, obviously, the final bosses of the other DLCs, besides um, the Underdome, because the Underdome didn't have one. It was amazing to fight them again. It kind of made me nostalgic at the time for from the other DLC. I mean, and just the funniness of some of the Claptrap enemies. And once again, after you beat it, the loot at the end, that room with all the chests, it felt so amazing. What about you? Um, you know, I'll be completely honest. Um... I haven't really gotten to play this DLC too much. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I guess I was so focused on the secret army, armory of General Knox there for a while that I never really got into this one. Um, from the little bit that I did play, um, I did enjoy it. Um, uh, the story was kind of, like, it was kind of lacking in certain areas, but the gameplay overall was pretty good. The enemies were well-balanced. Um, you know, it was... Uh, I mean, yes, getting to destroy Claptrap definitely felt like a relief, you know, because you think, oh, he's an ally, you'll never get to shoot him or anything, and then, oh, they're like, oh, well, we all know you hate him, so let's go ahead and just put him in the game where you can shoot him in the face, and you just sit there and you continue shooting, and you're like, <laughs> I feel satisfaction, but, you know, um... Yeah, I, I definitely, I you can't compare any of the DLCs to the Secret Armory of General Knox. You did, you can't, you oh, just no. can't, you can't beat it out in this game. You just can't. Um, but this was definitely, uh, this this DLC is probably definitely. Um, I I feel like if I'd played it more, it would definitely be a, the number two DLC for me. Um, just from like I said, from the little bit I played, it was it was pretty good. Uh, the only thing that was lacking really was the story. But I mean, it was their it was their final DLC, and they were made looking to look like they were they were kind of look making to looking to make an exit off of it, you know. Um, so, yeah. um, well, that's all the DLCs. Um, they came out with a Game of the Year Enhanced Edition uh, in conjunction with the announcement of Borderlands Three in March 2019. Gearbox announced a Game of the Year Enhanced Edition of Borderlands co-developed by Blind Squirrel Games for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows as a free patch to the existing version of the game on Steam. 
So you had to buy the new version if you played on console. But if you bought it from Steam, you automatically got an upgrade. In addition oh, to yeah, in addition to 4K resolution textures and HDR support, the enhanced version backported improvements from Borderlands 2, such as replacing the compass display with a minimap, additional character customization options, and four-player split-screen multiplayer on console, as well as changes to the game's final boss fight. Um, there was also a Nintendo Switch port um, on March 26th of 2020. Gearbox announced that the first three Borderlands games be released for Nintendo Switch as part of Borderlands Legendary Collection on May 29th, 2020. Now, I am going to go ahead and also go over the reviews on from the different um, like publications um, and whatnot that they gave it. Um, so, Metacritic gave a score for each console. Their score for the PS3, Borderlands was an 83 out of 100. Their score for the Xbox 360 Borderlands was 84 out of 100. Their score for PC Borderlands was 81 out of 100. Their score for PS4 Borderlands was 76 out of 100. And their score for the Xbox One Borderlands was 80 out of 100. Not sure why the scores went down from the original consoles to the new consoles. It may have something to do with the change in the final boss fight. Um, there doesn't really give a description. Um, I feel like you know uh, these scores. I feel like they're pretty fair. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a great game, but it wasn't top of the charts great. You know, uh, maybe top of the charts for the time, but for nowadays, I mean, it doesn't quite reach there. Um, Anyways, uh, Game Informer gave it a 9.25 out of 10. Game Pro gave it a 4.5 out of 5. GameSpot gave the Xbox 360 and PC version 8.5 out of 10, and then the PS3 version an 8 out of 10. GameSpy gave it a 4 out of 5. Game Trailers gave it an 8.4 out of 10. Giant Bomb gave it a 4 out of 5. IGN gave it an 8.8 .8 out of 10. OXM gave it an 8.5 out of 10. And Team Xbox gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, so the highest score there is um, from Team Xbox, obviously. No, wrong. That's my bad. Game Informer gave it the highest score. Um, which, uh, if anybody doesn't know who'd be listening in, um, Game Informer is pretty much the, uh, magazine for, uh, GameStop. So if you have a subscription to them, um, if you had had a subscription back in 2009 or 2010 or whenever it is they did the review on this, um, you would have seen that they gave it a 9.25 out of 10. Um, probably why it became so popular at the time, too. Oh, yeah. Um... So, I mean, I feel like those scores are, you know, really fair. Um, I wonder what gave Metacritic a reason to dumb the PS4 score down below 80, but I don't feel like that's necessarily a Borderlands problem as much as it is a PlayStation problem. Um, but I'm not here to rate consoles. I don't want to get... I'll, We'll, we'll have a specific episode where we will rate different consoles. 
Um, but that is not this episode. I wanna I wanna try and save some content for other episodes. You know, kind of spread out a little more. Um, but uh, well, gamer G, how do you feel about these scores? How do you feel that they were fair about it, or do you feel that they lowballed it, highballed it? What do you think? Well, you know me. I I I love Xbox, so it doesn't surprise me that they had the higher ones. I will admit, I'm a little bit surprised that the the PC had a lower score than the the 360 and the PS3, only because you know it it usually comes with the best like graphics and yeah. all that goodness. But I mean, I I think it was pretty fair. I mean, like. We said for the time that it came out, it it was something that was pretty pretty unique because I mean, you could do the same in Diablo and stuff, but it wasn't like a first person shooter. Yeah, like, yeah, no, that's that's also something I was gonna jump into as well. Is yeah, Diablo wasn't a first person shooter. It was um, you know like overhead view of everything, pretty you know basic controls and. Diablo 3 hadn't quite come out yet, so it was pretty basic graphics, too. You know, with this, it was it was just real advanced for its style of game, yeah. Yeah. Um, well. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Gamer G, or is that pretty much it for you? I mean, you know, I... I can't really think of much. I will admit, um... They did add a lot. They did add quite a bit of content um, to the game of the year. Um, well, the game of the year that came out when Borderlands Three came out, like there was, I think, four new legendaries. You could actually put heads on your. You could change kind of the. You could give your characters hats and stuff, which wasn't something you could do in the original. Yeah, I think that made a lot of people happy. I mean, it sure as hell it made me happy. Um, and le- le- I-, I feel like we should kind of talk about the legendaries because they are like the the highlight of well, really any Borderlands satisfaction of when you get your first legendary. It's just a beautiful thing. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, in any of the Borderlands games, you know. As soon as you hear that, or, well, I guess that's really only three it does that, but as soon as you see that, that gold, you know, the, the yeah. orange or the gold, um, I guess really in Borderlands 1 it was primarily gold before it switched over to orange is kind of what I noticed. I noticed that it's when they went to 2 that they really switched to orange, but in 1 it was gold. Um, yeah. So, but... Yeah, that that first legendary drop you get in the game is just, even if it's you know a, a terrible legendary, you still feel great because it's like yes, I got my first one out of the way, so I'm excited for more drops. You know, um, the only thing, the only time, you know, the first drop ever scares me is if if I get it with you know at the beginning of the game because then I'm like oh god, it's gonna drop this legendary and then I'm not gonna see one for pretty much the rest of the game because sometimes that does oh, happen yeah. with games like this. Um, yeah. But the one good thing they did with the first Borderlands was they uh, they put the drop rates pretty high. And the one thing they also did with Game of the Year Edition is they upped the drop rate by quite a bit. 
because um, you know the original version the drop rates were good but they weren't amazing but then you play game of the year editions like you see legend I, I literally got legendaries out of lockers you know so i mean they they really really jumped up the uh the rates oh yeah you know um I I mean, honestly, the first time I got a legendary, as as much as it, I hate to admit it, was honestly when I played the the General Knox DLC and I did the and I went into the armory. Like before then, I hadn't really seen a legendary. I think the first legendary I ever came across was a volcano in one of the chests. Oh yeah. Volcano, I they really kind of upped the power on volcanoes. I noticed as the games went along, because the first Borderlands volcano, it was good, but it wasn't top notch. Now I yeah. think the best volcano, honestly, came from Borderlands Two. I think that was the best game for the volcanoes, or honestly, any legendary ri sniper rifle was really the best in Borderlands Two after. After that, it would kind of went down a little bit, but um, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't disagree with that because the um, not to go into Borderlands Two too much, but that is when they first introduced the Lyuda. Yeah, that which... was ooh, that was a great, great legendary. I it doesn't matter if you're if you guys really think that you're not a sniper user, like you refuse to. When you if you play this game and get your hands on the Lyuda, your mind will change instantly. It's it's high damage, rapid fire, and it's triple shot, isn't it? Like it shoots out three bullets at once. They're spread. Um, I uh, no, I, no. I, I don't think it. I think it's just a a really high fire. Like that is not a sniper rifle. It is, but it that's a machine gun. Yeah, like, it's it's just a, it's just a, a machine gun with the with the big scope on it, pretty yeah. much. But anyways, back to you know. Back to this game, um, you know I really, uh, you know I can't. Man, I'm trying to think of uh, what my favorite legendary in the first Borderlands would be. Um, man. I'm trying to think of a legendary. There, there's a legendary in this game that I really liked that I also really liked in Borderlands Two. But I well, can't. you know, if you can think of what kind it is, and what it kind of does, you know me. I'm kind of a big Borderlands person. Period. I'm pretty sure it so. was a a Vladoff assault rifle. Vladoff assault rifle. Or maybe well, it was know, maybe it was dull. Um, well, I would say either the Raven or the Guardian, but um, I don't remember ever getting one of those in Borderlands Two. No, those aren't in Borderlands Two. Um, damn, I'm pretty sure that the assault rifle had it had it had you know obviously really good fire rate. Um. Oh man, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I'm gonna look it up real. I'm gonna look up the legendaries real quick. Well, I guess while you do that, I'll talk about my favorite, which obviously you know me. I'm I'm a shotgun guy in any game. 
that, that's where my heart lies, is up close, personal, and brutal as hell. So mine would definitely have to be, I think, the Bulldog from the Force game. And that was, I believe, that was a, a I want to say a doll shotgun. And it was just, it was just so high in power. The fire rate was actually pretty good for a shotgun. It was, it was a solid shotgun all around. Yeah. Ooh, actually, um, well, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to look. Um, it was the revolution. The Vladoff Revolution, that's what I remember. It had, a, it had a large magazine with high fire rate. I don't remember that being in Borderlands 2, but... Um, okay. you know, I might be mixing that one up with another one in Borderlands 2, because I honestly don't remember the one in Borderlands 2 I had being called the Revolution. Um, but I'm I'm very sure that's the one I picked up in Borderlands 1. Because um, there's yeah. actually not a whole lot of legendary um, machine guns in. Yeah, it, it, I mean. The first Borderlands, yeah. I actually really in any Borderlands, like the machine guns didn't have a whole lot of um, legendaries at all. It was, I think, it was mostly like the submachine guns, uh, the pistols, or um, I think the sniper rifles is really where they put in all the legendaries. The uh, so the, the, the assault rifles and the rocket launchers. I mean, obviously the rocket launchers didn't get a whole lot because you, I mean, they're rocket launchers. They're not going to spend, you know, they're not going to put in 20 legendary rocket launchers because not a whole lot of people are going to use rocket launchers to begin with. But, I mean, yeah. um, the assault rifle. I really felt like, you know, the, uh, the assault rifles, um, I really feel like they, they could have, been there, there could have been more legendaries of those like don't get me wrong the legendaries they had of them were good but i just feel i feel like there could have been more um and per usual a game like this it has the typical rarities of white green blue purple and then yellow slash orange um but one cool thing about borderlands and i know they did it in diablo also because i was very fortunate to have happen to me uh so but, far all we know is that they did it in uh diablo 3 yeah but uh, that's what i meant to say <laughs> that they did it in diablo 3 yeah. um was they had pearlescents which were a I want to say a teal. It was like a very bright yeah, blue. Yeah, it was just like a, yeah, like a, a light. Instead of like the, the dark blue that you would get, usually you got, it was a light blue. And they always had like extra effects, like even more than the legendaries. And they did ridiculous damage. I remember only ever pearlescent I've ever had was the one that I got in Borderlands 2. That was it. And Damn. I mean, that weapon lasted me for 20 levels almost before I finally yeah. had to, you know, put it away. 
And trust me, I, I, I didn't sell it. I put it away. I'm never letting that thing go. Yeah, because, I mean, in in Borderlands, if you wanted a pearlescent, honestly, it was pretty easy to get one because especially if you had your, your mind stuff, which don't get me wrong, not everyone had because the easiest way to get a pearlescent was to take down the big raid, raid boss, Carmax. And he definitely wasn't easy for any, like, non-modded person. No, I mean, hell, no. Even when I had my mod stuff, I mean, finishing him off was, it, it wasn't easy. It's, it's a 10-minute it's a battle, at least, every time you fight him, whether you have modded stuff or not. Because, I mean, you have to hit him in the exact certain spot. I mean, yeah, he can't do any damage to you, but there's also a cliff he can knock you off of. And in this Borderlands game, they actually had fall damage. So, I mean, even without the fall damage, you're falling off the map limits. But it just, it was, no matter how you did it or what you did, it was just so, it 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 was difficult. It was, you know obnoxious it was long you know it just it took a bit to get it done um but yeah you're right um i have only ever farmed chromarax once and i did not get a pearlescent that time um so i have actually never gotten a pearlescent in the first borderlands game um i don't even remember where i got the pearlescent oh i got it um oh man i got that pearlescent in borderlands 2 when we were in um the, the wildlife preservation or wildlife uh, preserve or whatever that's where I got that which you we you, got it we got uh, it off a looter we got it off a looter bot I remember now you say that I know exactly what person you talk about you were talking about the bu- butcher yep I got the butcher <laughs> I never let go of that damn thing oh, man. that the butcher I that was not in the first one but the butcher is definitely a it's it's a lot like the light Uda. Um, it's not really, it has the power of a shotgun, but it, it, it's definitely a machine gun. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, it fires so fast, and the best part is, every now and then, it'll just put the bullets right back in your cartridge, so you just don't lose any ammo. <laughs> like, there would be oh, times yeah. where I would shoot 50 bullets before I'd finally have to reload. I mean, it was, oh, it was just ridiculous, and it was freaking beautiful. I mean, I, <laughs> I can't, I can't describe it. But that's a that's a different game than what we're reviewing now. So, um, oh yeah, I will go ahead and let everybody know that um, Borderlands is available to play on um, PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, Windows, Mac, uh, PS Four, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Um, for uh, any of the consoles, uh, you just go to the console store and look it up. Um, more than likely, you will have to buy either the um, handsome, the handsome Jack collection, or you can buy um, what is it now? They come out with the uh, legendary. Uh, yep, the Borderlands Legendary Collection. Um, what? Otherwise, um, if you're playing on PC. Um, whether it be Apple or uh, Microsoft or whatever, um, Steam is probably your best bet. Um, or I believe they also sell it on Epic's games. Um, but uh, 
let me look up what the uh, price is real quick of each of those. Um. And of course, unless you're on 360 or the PS3, then you don't have to buy the yeah. version like all of them in it. You will not be able um, to access the store because it's it's been long too it's it's been shut down yeah, since then. Yeah. Um, but if you go like to your local Walmart and look for uh, Borderlands: The Handsome Collection, uh, it should be about uh, it looks like uh, twenty five dollars and seventy one cents. Um, let's see the price of Borderlands. Legendary Collection. I believe the Legendary Collection might actually only be available on the store. Um, the Legendary Collection is out. Uh, the Legendary Collection is actually cheaper. It is uh, $20 on GameStop. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, it might be used. Uh, I'm not entirely for sure. Um, mm. But... Yeah, um, if you get GameStop, Walmart, um, obviously, um, like the, the stores, uh, Microsoft Store on uh, Windows or on Xbox, um, I would definitely, um, I would I would definitely suggest this buy. Um, I would suggest I mean, this game to everybody who, I mean, okay, everybody has their preference. If you don't like first-person shooters, don't get it. You're not going to like it, you know? Um, but if you're a first-person shooter fan, even if you're a Call of Duty fan, this is definitely a game you should at least try. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, I, my, I guess I'll give, I'll go ahead and give a score rating on it. Um, I would definitely give this game a 9 out of 10. Solid 9 out of 10. Um. Honestly, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Game Informer score. I'm gonna go 9.25 out of 10. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot that wasn't good about this game, or even the DLCs, because even even with Moxie's DLC, yes, it was repetitive and everything, but playing it for the first time was definitely fun. I mean, every now and then, you have to get an arena-style thing with this type of game. So, come on, you've got machine guns. You want to be able to spray fire, you know? I mean. Yeah. That that's always fun. It's not it's not DLC play you know for hours on end, but it's definitely a DLC that is you know still worth playing one time. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely a nine point a nine point two five out of ten for me. What about you, Gamer G? Um, I'm gonna have to go with a. I, th I think I'm just gonna have to go with a solid. Nine. Solid nine. Okay, okay. Um, awesome, awesome. Um, so, uh, you got anything else you want to add, Gamer G? Um, well, I would definitely suggest if you're wanting to start on, if you're starting to want to play Borderlands, and you want to start with the first force one, I would suggest the the legendary uh, collection over the Handsome Jack, only because I 
think the Handsome Jack uh, only comes with uh, pre-sequel and no. Borderlands 2. Uh, yeah, yeah, nope. no, that you're, yeah, that's correct. Um, uh, I I just told, I just thought about that too. I was like, wait a second, I think I have that. Well, I think the, the only thing. Okay, so you can actually buy Game of the Year edition Borderlands by itself. Um, because I've got it up so, on my screen so. here. Um, or you can buy Borderlands Legendary Collection, which I would suggest because, first of all, it's literally just like $10 more than just buying this game by itself. And if you want the other two or the other three, you're going to have to go, you know, buy them as well. You know, you might as well just buy Legendary Collection. And then if you like everything out of Legendary Collection, you go and buy three. So, um, I mean, I would, I would definitely suggest Legendary Collection if you're really interested in this. Now, if you think, if you're kind of like in that maybe spot where you're like, yeah, I'm willing to, you know, spend the money on it, but I don't think I'm ready to put a commitment towards the series, yeah, go ahead and just buy, you know, Borderlands and try it out, you know, or a Borderlands Game of the Year edition for people on upgraded consoles. Um, try it out, see how you feel about it, um, you know don't don't waste your money but if you really think that you would enjoy this game and you're willing to commit yourself to the other ones i would definitely go for legendary collection see how you feel after you play all the games of legendary collection before you consider buying three as well um but just for this game personally if you're into you know first person shooters um even call, like i said even call of duty this game is definitely worth a try you know, because um, it's it's definitely not a fun. If you were into Diablo, this would definitely be your style of game. Um, it's a little more comedic. It's not as serious as Diablo, not nearly. Um, it's more comedic and whatnot, but um, it's it's similar in the style of you know shooter looters. You know, you, you kill enemies, take loot, whatnot. Um, but yeah, um, I would I would 100% recommend this game for people into those style of games. Oh yeah, me too. Um, and my personal opinion too is I would not get a physical copy of the games. I would get digital. Um, I guess if you're wanting to only just try the game, um, I would get a physical copy. That way maybe you can return it. But if you're wanting to have it for a collection or you really like it or something, I would definitely suggest digital. That way you always have it. You know, um, especially now that digital has become such a big thing. Oh, yeah. So, well then, um, this has been Gamers Talk. Um, I am Gamer M. And I'm Player G. Yeah, Player player M. <laughs> I'm, uh, this is the first episode, so first episode jitters here. Um, and you know what? Uh, let's develop an outro while we're here. Um, I am player M and I would recommend this game. And I'm player G and I would highly recommend the collection. <laughs> but this game is Okay. Alrighty. So, um, thank you all. Thank you guys for, for listening and we will see you next time.